Welcome back, Greenies. This is JP Gooderham, your host of Fear the Wavecast, and you're back with us for another episode of our show. I know it's been a while. You may have forgot what the drill is, but we're now really staring down the last six games of hopefully just the regular season. But if you've been paying any attention, you know that the AAC West, there's really no easy way to put it. It is absolutely drunk right now. Houston might have an advantage sitting at 2-0 in the league, but everyone else has at least one loss in this division. And Memphis, who is the decisive favorite coming into this year, they have three losses already, including theirs, to the Tulane Green Wave. And all I'm saying is it's been a, a tough season so far on a number of levels. But guys, this thing could get weird. Everyone is pretty much still in it, maybe with the exception of Memphis and Tulsa. And if Tulane wants to get into the league division race in a serious way, it has to start this Saturday. And to add to that weirdness, I'm actually overseas for work for a few weeks. So I'm sitting in a hotel room uh, by like a highway. There are auto rickshaws flying by and honking. I mean, I could not find a worse place to be recording. So apologies if there's some weirdness when it comes to the, the audio quality today. But I wanted to get this out and get back in the swing of things. And of course, that means I'm going to be listening to these games at like one o'clock in the morning. So we're officially reaching a completely unhinged era for Fear the Wave. And I think that can only produce good things. So let's see what happens there. Uh, today, I want to do two things. I want to talk about the SME Mustangs and give some updates on where they are because they are in a very different position from when we last saw them in the final game of the 2017 season. And then I want to talk about some, some news and updates about the Tulane Green Wave. Of course, Tulane was on a bye week last week, but that doesn't mean that nothing newsworthy was occurring. There's a question around who's going to be starting a quarterback, and I want to give some details there and talk about a couple other nuggets before we get into this game. So let's start with SMU. They're sitting at two and four right now, and their only FBS win this year was over Navy. Their most recent game was a 48 to 20 shellacking at the hands of the kinda national champions of Orlando, Florida, the UCF Knights. What I can say about this team is that they are much more balanced this year on offense and defense, but that's not really a good thing. They sent two wide receivers to the NFL, as you can remember, and now their offense under Sonny Dykes ranks number 108, with their defense actually leading the way at number 101. To put it bluntly, they haven't been a very good team this year so far, but like Tulane, they've played a really tough schedule playing against teams like UCF and also TCU, and their schedule ranks number 11 in the country in strength of schedule. If we're looking at their offense, I think one of the biggest differences last year when they had two NFL quality wide receivers who they could hit consistently is that they just haven't been able to move the balls effectively. A way that I like to measure this is like one of the advanced stats that Bill Conley from SB Nation, uh, the robot of podcast named Play Nobody puts out, which is success rate. When you look at success rate, which measures how effective a team is at moving the ball on key downs, SMU not in great shape at number 119. But of course, I need to mention that that hasn't been a strength for Tulane either. They're actually two spots below at number 121. So I think one of the big questions here is, who is going to be able to find some kind of offensive rhythm in this game and, and consistently move the ball and set up opportunities and trying to finish drives? Because those are areas that really neither offense has consistently been able to click into so far this year in 2018. I think that's an important thing to remember about what this SMU team is doing. Now, in their favor, they haven't turned the ball over a whole lot, which I, I think is definitely something that's positive, but they're in a very different position. 
I think for the Green Wave, you know, one thing that they have to look at is their defense on the SMU side hasn't been great either at, at really stopping teams. And so I think on both of those levels, you know, you have to hope that Tulane can really find its rhythm this week and, and do some things that are more similar to what we saw against Memphis than what we saw against Cincinnati a couple of weeks ago. When we look at Tulane, I think there's some, some interesting things that we can dig into as well. On the depth chart this week, what I can say is Jonathan Banks is listed as the starter, but you should obviously take that with like a tremendous grain of salt because uh, the depth chart this year has not been something that we can really take as a source of truth necessarily. And on top of that, Coach Willie Fritz has been pretty vocal so far in saying that we don't necessarily know how this thing's going to go. As you can remember, Justin McMillan took the reins in the second half in the last game against Cincinnati two weeks ago. After really showing a lot of promise in the first half, he wasn't really able to find any kind of consistency in that second half. So the quarterback question is not at all solved going into this game. Fritz, however, has really been playing this decision very close to the vest in terms of who's going to start this game. Here's what he said in the press conference about whether he'd even consider playing both quarterbacks. He said, I'm not opposed to doing it. I think at times you do it. You want to make sure the guys get into a rhythm and maybe go a couple series or whatever. But we haven't determined whether we're going to play one or two or a combination of the two, whatever the case may be. And there's a lot of positions like that. Now, what I can say is Coach Fritz is definitely seems like the kind of coach who's willing to uh, use this kind of situation to his advantage. But the flip side is he has been very willing to try out both quarterbacks this year. So it wouldn't be shocking if he continues to alternate things like we've seen in the past. Whether that's the strategic move, I think that's kind of a question because we've seen some periods like we did a couple of weeks ago against Memphis when Banks really started to figure things out uh, before ultimately we, we needed to make a switch when he exited the game. But we've got to hope that somebody emerges and takes this thing because this is a tough position to go into as we get closer and closer into crunch time. The other thing I'll mention just as a note when I was looking at the press conference, you know, with a, a bye week, you kind of can take a step back and evaluate what are some areas where this team needs to get better? I know one that Tulane fans on Twitter and Facebook and elsewhere have been really frustrated with has been the penalties. And, you know, frankly, there have been games where the penalties have have really shaped whether we'd have a chance to, to win or lose. I think looking at the Wake Forest game all the way back to game one, that's an example when you look at overtime where an untimely personal foul uh, changes the complexion of what Tulane can do in overtime. Uh, so when you look at that, I, I think it's pretty clear that the, the penalties can be impactful. They definitely were a couple of weeks ago against Cincinnati, uh, getting backed up and down in distances. Here's what Coach Fritz had to say when asked about how he was going to, to deal with the penalties. He said, well, number one, you try to practice as clean as you can. We're disappointed in how many penalties we've had, particularly last week. That wasn't good. Could have given us an edge if we would have stayed away from some of those foolish penalties. I always think about wave not beating the wave, particularly on pre-snap or post-play penalties. But on delay of game or illegal formation or lining up in the neutral zone, those things are all things that we can control, and we've got to make sure we eliminate those kinds of penalties. So definitely going to be a big factor coming into this game. So those are definitely two big questions for me, uh, you know, in, in what Tulane needs to do against SMU. Can they find consistency at the quarterback position? Can they uh, show more discipline on offense and defense and, and not put themselves in a position where they're giving SMU opportunities? With all that being said, I think one thing we need to shout out is a positive note. You know, while there have definitely been struggles at times on the offensive side of the ball, 
two guys have, who have consistently stood out this year, of course, are Taron Ancolod and Darnell Mooney at the wide receiver position. And I think with Ancolod, we really knew what we were getting coming into this season. He's an outstanding player. You know, he's a senior. He had not only a really consistent output in 2017, but he had the big play potential that he showed off in games like Houston, where he scores the game-winning touchdown. But I think the guy who has really settled into a role as a leader on the team, arguably uh, better than anyone, is Darnell Mooney. And, you know, Mooney, of course, this week received an honor. He's now been added to the watch list uh, to win the Boletnikoff Award, which would be given to the top wide receiver in the country. And it's not shocking that he's there. You know, he's the leading wide receiver in the AAC with, I believe, 90.7 yards per game going into week seven. You know, while Tulane doesn't necessarily have a ton of veteran depth at the wide receiver role yet, that combo, that tandem of, of Ancelot and Mooney has been uh, really successful so far. And I think one of the things that I really liked about Mooney's game is that while he's had a couple where he's come out, you know, a, a little bit cold or had a couple of drops that, that could have shook him, he's been a guy that, that really I think both quarterbacks have a confidence in. And he's someone you have to look to as we get down this stretch as a, a key player who can deliver when the big moment comes. Uh, so that's another thing that I, I want to keep seeing out of both of them is uh, really coming out and finding success early and continuing to build on that and, and, and make defense a struggle. And if they can do that, of course, that's going to set up a lot from the run game, uh, which, you know, that's been the, the big question, I think, when we look at the offense is how can we produce yardage on early downs out of the run game? And, and you know, you look at the backs that we have in position, it feels like they're there. Uh, and I think as we look at the play calling and the strategy going in this final six games, I look at the success of the run game, especially at being able to, to move the ball in those first and second down situations as possibly being the biggest factor for if this team can, can really achieve its goals or if this is a season that's going to fall short. But at this point, I don't think it's worth really thinking about any of that as much as it is uh, this next game. And, you know, obviously you're two and four. Every game is critical going forward. But that doesn't really change the fact, I think, for Tulane fans of, of how important this SMU game is. And I just want to do a recap here because I think as we go into this week, you know, a lot of people look at 2017 and they remember the the Banks was in moment. And, you know, there's there it feels like there's uh there's some bad blood here, but it goes deeper than that. So here's a here's a quick recap of the last three matchups of Tulane against SMU. 2017. Tulane pulls an upset over Houston to set up a final week battle with a win that would send the Green Wave to a bowl game. Tulane gets into a track meet with a talented offensive Mustangs team and reaches the goal line with seconds remaining. They run the ball in the final play, but Banks is rolled down inches shy of the marker. Video does not overturn the call, and I lose my dang mind. And that really, I think, brought to a T, you know, a, a really like perfect two-lane uh, moment of, of football tragedy that uh, kind of encapsulated where we've been since 1998. But, you know, obviously still working for the good times ahead. But it goes even deeper than that. Uh, 2016. Let's not forget about 2016. It's homecoming. SMU is the homecoming opponent. Tulane is down at the half in its first season under Fritz. And I'll note this. Uh, my friends had come in from out of town. We're sitting there. They really aren't big, you know. They're Tulane grads, but uh, but not Tulane football fans. They bail to go to Felipe's. 
immediately as we come back into the third quarter, Tulane comes back to a 10-point lead. I text all of them that they're traitors and the reason that this thing went bad. So of course, exactly what has to happen is SMU has a massive comeback in the fourth quarter. They end up scoring on the final drive of the game to spoil yet another homecoming in Tulane's great tradition. And that's the second loss that we can think back to. But there's one more. In 2015, uh, SMU rolls Curtis Johnson's final team 49-21 to in a forgettable beatdown in Dallas, Texas. So folks, all I'm saying is that's three straight tough losses and, and two of those uh, really close tight games that, that could have had meaning at the time. And Tulane hasn't beaten SMU since 2012. Reality here is it's time to change things. So I think that as we look at to, to Saturday with Tulane being a seven-point favorite, you know, I like to look at some of the advanced stats and, and those things. Uh, you know, a lot of those say this is Tulane's game to win, but at the end of the day, they need to deliver. Uh, and this feels like a whole new season for these final six games. So I'm uh, excited for this game. It's going to be going down at 2.30 on Saturday at Yulman Stadium. Make sure to get out there if you're in town. If you're not, the game is going to be on ESPNU. It's a big one. Uh, let's get excited. Let's see who's going to come out as, as quarterback and take it from there. That's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed this preview. If you like it, make sure to share it. Uh, if you like the show, the best place is to go to iTunes and help us by leaving a review. We always appreciate the feedback. But that's going to be it for today, folks. So beat SMU and stay angry, my friends. Thank you.